You know, last week we talked about, and we've been talking about God's will for us is not just to is not just to have a happy new year, but as we began to have a happy new year, and not really just a happy new year. God's will for us is to have a happy new life, to be a happy new you. It's not optional if you feel like it. It's a command, but it is easier said than done, especially considering the irony. You know, of all this, of rejoice and be glad in it kind of thing. This is the day the Lord has made. Well, last week, as we share at the, uh, the uh, theme, so to speak, the fight for joy, was also the week we had the blizzard. And we had to fight with some people who couldn't be. You were trying to uh, get yourself out and dig out, and some couldn't, and some. But those, and yet, those who were here had some joy. Amen. Amen. Those who are here at some of, you know, the found it here. I'm guessing as well, those who are here found opportunity to think I had to fight for joy this week. How many of you had that? You know, even last Sunday. I mean, we here, we're talking about fighting for joy. And then just Sunday afternoon, something tragic happens. You find out that the Patriots are going to be in the Super Bowl again. And yet, and yet, there is a, a, an and yet, because Rams fans everywhere were thrilled because their ranks just increased exponentially, as many more Rams fans happened, just because of who else was in the Super Bowl, right? Seriously, there are things that happen, I'm sure, this week to challenge our fight for joy. And we say, it's not just, hey, you got to have joy. Just be, rejoice and be glad in it. What we talked about is we need to fight for it, to fight for that joy this year. And there are things that happen, things that weren't that great. I mean, even for us, uh, and there were a number of things, but one of the things, the pipes uh, bursted, burst in the apartment. And it was it was a fountain, not of joy, though. Uh uh, it was really just, uh, it was an amazing amount of water. You didn't think that com- much could come. Uh, everywhere on this cold, frozen day uh, that we had uh, this week. And then having to not only deal with that, but find out that, you know, the plumber can't get there. And so we're going to be without water and uh, having to deal with that. And yet, the reason the plumber couldn't be there was because he had to deal with four or five families who didn't have any heat kind of puts a perspective on my joy right on my fight for joy well i may not have water but i got heat i'm not going to freeze to death and i'm not going to die you know as we think about this there are no matter what is happening in our day there is a and yet something that we can rejoice and be glad about no matter what the day brings. Verse 24 of Psalm 118 says, This is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Now somebody says, I, Pastor, I hear that. But how do you do that? I hear that, but how do you do that? that? And really, that's the point of our theme. That's the point of this focus, that we have to fight for joy. To fight for joy through our sin, through circumstances, through self, through Satan. We step up and we make war, a war that fights for joy. 
He says, oh, well, okay, 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 pastor. But, but I, I hear that, kind of heard that. We got that started last week or I listened to the... But really, how do we do that? How do you fight for joy when there seems to be absolutely no joy in anything going on in my life? And we can talk about how, and we can talk about the and yet, or we can talk about and at times, there is something we can find to rejoice about. But what about the times that there isn't? There's nothing we can find. It's not always true. At least it doesn't seem true at certain times that we can find something to rejoice about. And yet, if you are a believer here today in Christ, it is not true that there are times in your life where you have nothing to rejoice about. You see, we not only can fight for joy, but this morning what we've got to get is we do that by fighting from joy. Not just for joy, but fighting from joy. Not from any joy that we get by, by the things that are around us or the things that are happening. It's not joy that we get by changing our perspective and trying to look at things more positively. It's not joy about a hope that this thing that's happening is going to change in the future. Yes, there might be joy in all of those things, but that's not the joy that we're fighting from. We fight from a joy that we've already been given that we've already experienced, that we've already got. We can say like this song, nothing is going to steal my joy because I've got it. I don't need to fight for it to try to go get it. I have got it. The joy that all of us as Christians have, the joy of our salvation. Joy that no problem no person can ever take away. It just needs to be restored. To be revealed again. It's already there in you. The joy of your salvation. We need to fight from the joy of our salvation. Psalm 118 and uh, verse 24, kind of where we've been talking about this even sung about here earlier this morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I, hopefully you will open up your Bibles and you have that there. I'm going to put a, a number of these verses up on the screen just because there's things I'm going to emphasize with them. But I, I really do expect that when we go through these and I mention these, that oftentimes you will have your Bible out and you'll be able to look it up. Um, obviously, sometimes uh, I'm going really fast and then you have it written down. Well, you don't hear because we're just kind of this is it right here. You got 118. You know, we're often looking for a coming day of, of joy. A lot of people look for, yeah, I, I know I'm going to have joy. There's a day coming. I don't have it right now, but I'm looking forward to the day. Somebody says, I'm looking forward to the day I get married. I'm looking forward. Somebody here might be looking forward to the day I have a baby. You know? I'm looking forward uh, to the day that I retire. I don't have to work anymore. I'm looking forward to the day that I win the 
HD TV dream home. You know, there are all these things that, that we think happiness will happen when certain days happen. When this certain day happens, then I'll experience happiness. I just can't wait. I will be so happy when... What? I recognize the wind's already happened for us. Because the reality is, is when we're wait, I just can't wait for this to happen, for this day. When it does, even if there is some joy in that, it fades. But there is a day that we can experience that never ends, the day of our salvation. Psalm 118, verse 24, let's, let's just emphasize this. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What is it? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We say, what we usually say is, it refers to the day. In fact, we would say, this day and it is all the same. Together, that's what we're talking about. This day is what we should rejoice and be glad in. And really what we mean then is this day, today, Sunday, January 27th, is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's normally the way we think about this verse. That this is the day, today, January 27th. We need to rejoice in the day. But what if today is not a good day? In fact, have you ever thought, you know what, today is definitely not a good day. Today is definitely not the day to rejoice. Then what? Well, what happens when you think that? When and, and, and it is reality in your life. Today is not the day to rejoice. What do you do? Well, you just do it. Grin and bear it, right? It says, today is the day. Rejoice, just do it. Grin and bear it. But, but how do you do that sincerely? Considering that obeying God, a God who looks at our heart... Because you can rejoice, you can try to be glad, but deep inside, if your heart's not right and into it, then it's not right. God's looking at both our action and our attitude. Is that what's happening? How, how, how do we do that? Or is that... What you see up on the screen, really what the context is saying here. Or have we just taken this verse like it exists outside of Psalm 118? Now, this morning, I'm going to cause you to actually have to think about this just a little bit. But I want you to think this through. This is the way we often see it, what's up there. But could it be that we've just been taking this and out of Psalm 118 and just taking it and just applying our meaning and saying and then saying, how are we supposed to do that? Because today stinks and there's nothing that you can make it smell any better. This is the way it is and I'm supposed to just rejoice. But I can't rejoice because my heart's not right with that. Well, I just got to make my heart right. Well, it just doesn't happen. How is this supposed to? How am I supposed to do this? 
Could it be that there is something different that this is the day that the Lord has made means? In fact, that word day that's used here in Hebrew is a word that can mean a definite time of from sunset to the next sunset, so to speak. But this word can also mean an indefinite, vague time period that can be relatively short or a very long time period. So which is it? Based on the context of Psalm 118, when it says this is the day, is it a day that is 24 hours? Or is it the day where that word means a long period of time? This context is referring to something besides a literal today. Sunday, January 27 is the day to rejoice in. And for some of you, it's like, what did he just say? You know, others of you still haven't quite awakened yet. And so you have no idea what's going on. You're just smiling and amen, hallelujah, pastor. Uh, so let me just take, let's just look at the context here. Because I just, just because I say that doesn't mean anything. Look at the context of Psalm 118 and see the references here to something else. And that is to salvation. That is to Christ, our Savior. All right, let's go. Number, verse 21, that's where I started. I shall give thanks to you, for you have answered me. You have become my, what? Salvation. Here's part of the context. Now, I just got one verse here. Am I just pulling this out and talking about salvation? Let's just find out, because it goes on in verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the context of verse 24 that this is the day the lord has made and we will rejoice so this is the context here it says after you've become my salvation the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone who's that referring to it's referring to jesus we know in acts chapter 4 verse 10 through 12 let it be known to all of you peter is saying to all the people of israel that by the name of jesus christ of nazareth whom you crucified whom god raised from the dead by him this man is standing before you well this jesus is the stone that you that rejected by you the builders which has become the cornerstone and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved we got salvation we got talking about jesus the savior wait a minute let's just keep on going here Verse 25 starts out with, save us. We pray, O Lord, pray for success. And then in verse 26, whoops, sorry. Woo, I get it going. Verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Who is it that comes in the name of the Lord? Who is that referring to? Again, Jesus. We know on uh, Matthew chapter 21, verse 9, and what we call Palm Sunday, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna! You know, Hosanna is an expression of praise that really means save, save us. Just like verse 25 begins. Save us. And that's exactly the one who comes in the name of the Lord, what they were shouting to him, save us. You see how this is all, what this is all referring to? Anyway, Matthew 21 goes on to say, they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Again, 
This is dealing with the salvation and with the Savior. Let's look at verse 27. The Lord is God and He has made His light to shine upon us. We, we know what that's about. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. Now, uh, this is a little less clear. But again, I'm not trying to get in depth or pick every jot and tittle about this because that doesn't help us to get to God's point, which we can just kind of see this morning that this verse is talking about sacrifice, about atonement. Not just as it deals with the altar, but as it deals with the horns of the altar, which, by the way, is not usually where the sacrifice was tied to. There was other things on the altar. You think about the symbolism and what is being talked about, tying everything together. It's talking about Jesus' sacrifice bound or nailed on the cross for our salvation. There is a sense that this verse is about a celebration as it goes on in verses 28 and 29. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. So as we read Psalm 118 and we see then verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What is the it then? If all we do is take this verse out all by itself, then we always point back to the day, which we always think means just 24 hour today. But if we're putting this in context of Psalm 118, we will rejoice and be glad in it. What is it that it's been talking about? It's been talking about salvation, about the Savior. We will rejoice in that. The deliverance and salvation we have, this salvation is the day we will rejoice and be glad in. So for us as Christians, this does not directly translate to right now, right here, rejoice that it's Sunday, January 27th. But this that the psalm has been talking about, this that has been going on about is the, that day that the Lord has made, the day of salvation that the context is referring to, not a 24-hour period, but a time period. We are in now since Jesus. This is the day, the time we are living in, a day of our salvation that began when Jesus' life ended on the cross and rose again to new life, conquering death and making a way for us to live abundant life with Him forever. So this is the it. This salvation in Jesus is the day to rejoice and be glad in. This is the acceptable time of salvation the Lord has made. Second Corinthians chapter 6, for he says in the time, in verse 2, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, for he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to repent and receive salvation because there is coming a time where we will no longer be able to do that. There is coming a day when it will be too late. The verses that I just read talk about the day of salvation. It wasn't in those verses talking about a specific day. Today, I mean, in a sense, today is the day of salvation. This is a good day, but tomorrow will be, and the next day, all this. It, the day is not, as it's used in that verse, is not a 24-hour period. It refers to a period of time. Today, now, in this time, is a day of salvation 
Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Jesus says this, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Because the disciples had gone out and, and done miracles in his name and great things had happened. He says, you know, don't get all, those are all good things. But here's what you rejoice in. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There's a sense of all that great stuff, all the good stuff that happened, all the things you can rejoice and praise and, and be joyful that this has happened and this has happened. But you know what? Jesus is saying, when it comes down to it, the one thing you can rejoice in, the one thing you can have joy in, is that your name is written in heaven. That you have a day of salvation, that you have your day of salvation and you are living in it right now. Did we rejoice in our day of salvation? When we stepped across that line, did we rejoice when our sins were forgiven? Did we rejoice when we were set free? Did we have a fresh joy fill us as we committed to Christ as our Savior and Lord? When that time came, did you experience that? Did you really know? Was it just something that was an intellectual decision? Well, yep, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need Jesus. So I'll just do that. Or was there a real sense where there was a change, where you became a new creation. And in that new creation came a new joy. How many of us can remember back to that day and the joy of our salvation? A salvation that hasn't changed since that day. But has our joy Do we still rejoice? Today, January 27th. Do we still rejoice today, January 27th, over the day of our salvation? Rejoice over what Jesus our Savior did. Not just for our past, but for our future and our present today. If there is nothing else to rejoice and be glad about in your life right now, as a Christian, you have this today the day of salvation to be able to rejoice with. You can fight from whatever it is. You can fight from the joy of your salvation because nothing's going to take that away. Psalm 118, verse 24. While it is not literally about a 24-hour day, today Sunday. Nonetheless, the broader meaning of the day of salvation encompasses today. So as much as I, I say that, it doesn't mean that it's wrong to say today, right here, right now, we should be rejoicing, be glad and rejoice. It's not wrong to say that. It's just what I'm saying is it's why we've been saying it. We've been saying we just rejoice because it's today. <laughs> it's Sunday. No, we rejoice because Today is the day that the Lord has made all around for us to have salvation. And he's given that to us. And I will rejoice today in that. Yes, and I will rejoice on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all the way through. I will rejoice and be glad in my salvation. Not just this day, but every day. In Acts chapter 13... Paul was sharing the gospel and the good news with the Gentiles. And he went on and on. And he was talking to them. And it says in Acts 13, 32, And we bring you the good news, that good news, that what God promised to the fathers, this he fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. 
Now, Paul went in on from there in that passage in Acts chapter 13 to start sharing the good news, the gospel of salvation about Jesus the Savior from the Psalms. A number of Psalms he used in Acts chapter 13, which is where we're looking at Psalm 118. And then they reacted as they heard this. They even came back and they heard it and they responded in verses 47 and on. For the Lord has commanded us, saying, Paul says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord as many were appointed to eternal life believed as they came to know Christ as Savior, as they came to experience eternal life. As that day right then, as Paul was speaking, became the day of salvation, they rejoiced in the word. And it says the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. And even at the very end of verse 52, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Because of this day of salvation. That's one of the main points of that song we sang at the very beginning of this message. I got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation. And it's beautiful. I got a heart overflowing because I've been restored. There ain't nothing going to steal my joy. No, there ain't nothing going to steal my joy. Our salvation brings us new life with the new eyes to see all around us. That which was dark becomes light. Joy comes with salvation. Joy is a part of us as a new creation. From the Holy Spirit, we experience joy. It's like in the jailhouse rock version in Acts chapter 16 and the jailer comes to know Christ and and he and his family and he takes them back. It says in verse uh, 34 of Acts 16, the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before uh, Paul and Silas. And he was filled with joy because, verse 34 says, he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole family. You know, we talked last week about verses where God's commanding us to rejoice. to Like Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always and I will say it again, what? Rejoice. And and while it is a command, it should not be something that feels like duty or drudgery or even an impossible thing. We think that sometimes, though. Certain days, that would be impossible. Me and rejoice and be glad. It, It shouldn't be that way. Especially for those of us who have experienced so wonderful a salvation. We need to fight from that joy. Uh, Let me illustrate it. Who here likes M&M's? Dave? You like M&M's? You allowed to eat them? You didn't even look at your wife. Somebody somebody that that likes M&M's and can eat them? I, 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 I hear that. All right. Come on up here. All right. So, yeah, like, now, listen, as you're coming up, I need to tell you something. I'm only going to give these M&Ms on two conditions. The first condition you can agree to first, and then we'll talk about it. Have a seat right there. That's why I got that there. All right. So, 
Here's a, a bowl of M&M's. There are two conditions, and I'm just going to give you the first one, and you can go ahead with that. The first condition is you can have those M&M's if you eat them right here, right now. Okay, we'll wait. Yeah, I, all of them, yeah. Try not to make a mess. I'm sure your parents never told you that. Now, as you're going with this, is this, is this hard for you? Is this a difficult... Uh, am I giving you a difficult direction here? I'm telling you, you have to eat them. That is, that is, that's something that's causing you some problem. Okay, so why was it not hard to follow my direction to eat these? Chubby bunny. You're doing good. You're doing good. Would you say it was because you, you like them? Okay. There weren't that many? Yes, obviously, and what you have to do. So was it a good thing to eat M&M's? We don't talk like that around here. We're, we're talking about joy here. We're not, not talking about what maybe your mom and I know my wife talks about making us cardboard and putting something on it. All right. You know, it, it's not hard for you to eat these M&Ms because you like them. They're, it's good. It, it's, it's good to eat them. Uh, here's the thing. That's the way it should be when God says to us, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That statement should not be like a burdensome, hard, difficult direction God is giving us. When God says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again, rejoice, it should be like saying, Here, a bowl of M&Ms, eat them. We've got the joy in us. We've been given the joy of salvation. It should not be burdensome when God's telling us to rejoice in the Lord. Because we have the sweet salvation. It should bring us joy. We should just want to rejoice and be glad. Yes. God, you're asking me to rejoice and be glad. Yes. I don't mind. Hi, I'm, I'm good with that. You're asking me to rejoice? Yeah. You're asking me to do something that's a good thing. Why would I ever say no to M&M, somebody would say. And we should say, why would I ever say no to rejoice and be glad? Now, I recognize that some of you say, I don't really like M&Ms. That's not really something and you're having trouble with this. So let's just fast forward to uh, fe- February 10th. February 10th is an important day of instruction here at OCCA. It is where we will learn that what the most important meal of the day is. And actually what the most important part of every meal is. And what is that? Dessert. Amen. Preach it. All right? Dessert. So let's just imagine you come to the dessert auction and... Uh, you pick out your favorite dessert, and I say, 
listen, I, I'll pay for it, but you need to sit down right here, right now, and eat it. Within reason, I'm, I'm, as much as you want, as much as you want, which means that if there's somebody there with you, we'll just put them off to the side. As much as you want, not as much as your wife wants. Uh, eat, eat, all right? Uh, so I say, you got to sit down. All right, I'm giving this this dessert, the favorite dessert you picked out. I'm giving this to you, but I want you to sit down right now, and I demand, I command you to eat that dessert as much as you want. So unless you've got some rebellious, sinful streak in you that has a problem with people telling you what to do, commanding me to eat dessert is really not a tough assignment. You know, what are we going to say? Well, all right. I guess if you say so, Pastor. Yeah, I guess I've got no choice but to do my duty and have to eat this dessert. Right. Are we going to talk like that? I got to do my duty and eat this dessert. Not so. I would love to. I would look forward to. We should look forward when we are told to rejoice in the Lord always. That should not be something seen as hard or difficult. Okay, now the second condition. And there's a second bowl there. But here's the second condition before you start eating that. Is, and this one's a little harder to handle. You need to not only eat some more M&Ms, but you've got to share that with others. Now, that's not a problem for him. Now, for some people, that might be a problem. It may be some in your family, I don't know, that would have a problem sharing. With uh, You don't have to say, this is not confession time of others. <laughs> we don't have to put that, put that out there. But what if I said to somebody that maybe was less sharing i said i want you to eat as many m&ms as you want but i also want you to share m&ms with everybody and you're saying well i'm the guy lit well here's the deal here's a whole bag of m&ms all right there's a whole bag is it easier to share now okay but somebody would say there might be even somebody who would say i could eat that whole bag okay you could the whole bag. What if I told you out in the parking lot there is a truckload of M&Ms and there is some more trucks where that came from. There is an abundant, beyond measurable amount of M&Ms. Is there any reason that telling you to eat as many as you want and to share with as many people as you can that that would be difficult if you had all the M&Ms in the world available to you? Of course not, right? It would be easy. It, it, and, and that's what we're trying to get across here. I mean, it would not just be easy. It would be awesome. It would be like M&M's. It would be awesome. I just can't eat. And not only would I have joy in being able to eat as many M&M's as I want, as many times, and I don't have to go looking for them, but I get to share them with people. That would be awesome too, and I don't have to worry. I don't have to pay for them. It's just something I got. It's just overflowing. In fact, it just keeps coming. I just, it would be awesome. Well, God has given us a never-ending supply of joy. The joy of our salvation that we are to be sharing. And not just eating ourselves, so to speak, but sharing with others to bring them even more joy. Thank you very much. 
I need the glass jar, but um, other than that, there you go. Thank you. And yes, he did get all, that whole bag of M&Ms. That'll just show you some of you people are a little reticent to uh, come up and volunteer for the pastor. Although, who knows, next time it might be broccoli or lima beans. Uh, yeah, edamame. Ugh. You know, for us to be told that we need to rejoice and be glad in it is not something that should be difficult or hard. In fact, it should just make sense. We have every reason to rejoice. A.W. Tozer says, the people of God ought to be the happiest people in all the wide world. A Baptist pastor from the 1800s, Octavius Winslow, says this, the child of God is from necessity a joyful man. His sins are forgiven. His soul is justified. His person is adopted. His conflicts are victory. His death is immortality. His future is a heaven of inconceivable, unthought of, untold, and endless blessedness. With such a God, such a Savior, ought he not to be a joyful man? Of course, he should be joyful. Unless, for some reason, though, we say, oh, I've lost that joy. I know for some people who say they've lost the joy, the first question needs to be, did you ever have it? Did you really ever have it? And then the next question after that is, did you really ever have Jesus? Or did you just have religion? There should be a difference that salvation makes in us. To know the joy of salvation that you not only knew that day, but you know still today. Maybe we have not fully experienced the joy because we've not fully experienced in our own hearts and our minds how great a salvation we've received. Maybe we've lost or never really understood how much we were enemies of Christ and how great the punishment was that was awaiting us that Jesus took from us. Maybe we have not grasped how great the love the Father has lavished on us in all our salvation and all we do to restore that is to grasp what God's already told us in His Word about all these things. You may feel like you've lost your joy. I've lost my joy. But, but have you lost your salvation? Have you lost the Savior? And most people say, well, no, no, I've lost my joy, but I haven't lost the Savior. Christian, if you have Jesus, you have joy. It's plain and simple. Now, we may not be experiencing that. We may not be living that. In fact, uh, we know David didn't experience that at a certain point in time. In Psalm 51, verse 12 he says, as he's confessing the sin before God, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. David in, is saying in response to this, uh, he's saying, Restore to me the joy of salvation. Which, first of all, is confirming that there is joy in salvation. Why restore something that never happened? There's joy in salvation. Restore to me the joy. And if it exists, it's one of the main things that David's looking for. Uh, what he's looking for after this time is that that joy would come back. And sometimes I think we think that's just something extra and maybe some Christians experience that are more emotional than others and all that. And it's not, it is just a part of being in Christ. 
And when we turn away like David did, when we turn away from God and we walk our own way, when we're out of fellowship with him, we lose that sense of that amazing joy. You cannot have the joy of Jesus without having Jesus, without being with Jesus. David got himself into the problem that sin kills joy. We need to grasp that keeping ourselves from sin is not just about trying to keep God happy. Keeping ourselves from sin is about keeping us happy. True godly holiness leads to real happiness. When David says in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, that's also telling me it's something that can be restored. It feels like it's lost, it, it just, but it just feels like it. It's there, but it can be restored. Now, and he didn't ask for a new joy. Like he did a new heart, new clean heart. He asked for it to be restored. The joy he had. When we're fighting for joy, we can fight from joy. The joy we have to be renewed. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Whatever problems we're going through, whatever people we have to deal with today, no matter what, we still have the joy of our salvation. This is the day of our salvation that we're living from now to eternity. We can rejoice and be glad in our amazing, endless salvation. Not just because one day it's waiting for us up there and all things will be new and all things will be so much different and better and all that. Yeah, we have that that part of eternal life. We think of it as someday eternity we'll spend with Christ and we have the joy of that. But eternal life is not just about someday. Eternal life is about today. I, when I come to know Christ Jesus as my Savior, I experience eternal life right then and there. My eternal life begins the day of my salvation. Not just someday, but right now. And my joy is not just someday. My joy is for today. I can rejoice and be glad no matter what I'm facing, what I'm going through. Our joy is not just about our sins being the past forgiven. Our joy is not just about the amazing things that await us in the future. Our joy of our salvation is about right here, right now, where Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have life more abundantly. Let us rejoice in the fact of the gospel of Jesus Christ is good. Good news. Not just for our past, not just for our future, but for our present. Let us make this year the year that we decide we're going to fight for joy by fighting from joy. And next week we'll talk about fighting with joy. Father, I pray that you'd help us in this move in our hearts and our minds to grasp that when we say this is the day that you have made, it has nothing to do with the problems and people in our life right now it has to do with the salvation that you've given to us that we are living in right here right now and will forever Lord, we pray that you would work and move and those who need that joy to fight for that joy 
There are things going on in many of the lives here that are just that are hard and rough. And they feel like there isn't anything to be joyful about or to try to find that they'll never find it. But help them to see that if they know you, there is a joy they already have got. Help them as they walk through this time. I think of those um, like Chris Camello who's walking through the valley where death has cast its shadow in the death of her brother. Even in that, you can still bring joy. Even as Paul said, sorrowful and yet rejoicing. Help us to fight for joy, to make war. This week, this day, in your name.